0: Welcome to the Get Emergent Podcast. This is a podcast about leadership development, improving communication, and enhancing team performance. I'm Cindy Massengill.
1: And I'm Ralph Simone.
0: And we're talking about a lot of the key elements of our Team Forward offering. Team Forward is a performance-based team development process. And today we're gonna talk about why people don't speak up and how that impacts or impedes the performance of a team. (laughs)
1: <laughs> this whole topic of creating psychological safety. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think people even have a clue. Uh, I think there's a lot of unintentional consequences about how we show up as leaders, how we show up as subject matter experts, that defeat the purpose of bringing a team of people together to get as many ideas on the table as possible.
0: I had a conversation a couple months ago with a senior leader. He's invested quite a bit of resource into leadership development for their his top team. And he's concerned that he, that people still are not speaking up, mm-hmm. that he's not getting the result. You know, he was thinking, the more I put into leadership development, the more I strengthen my team, the more... Culturally, the organization as a whole will feel more comfortable in speaking up, sharing ideas, sharing differing perspectives, and he's not seeing that. And I I was really intrigued by that. And as you know, one of the books I, I've recently read is by Amy Edmonston. It's called Fearless Organization. and. She's done significant research on this topic of psychological safety.
1: Well, and if you had to net out a couple of her key points, particularly ones that would be relevant to this situation that you just described from a client, you know, what would be one of them?
0: Well, you know, first I'd point to some of the things around the impact of not having psychological safety, mm-hmm. right? So we're not addressing issues fast enough. So issues actually drag on. They're not being addressed head on. We're slow to innovate. Mm. So especially for technology companies, engineering companies, there's the possibility of innovating faster. And and last, overall performance of entire organizations are hindered. It's slow. It's, you know, imagine that if you could address this psychological safety issue, all organizations could actually perform faster and better.
1: So it impacts agility. Yeah, yeah. It impacts agility. And and so we want to really be intentional about how we create these conditions, not just in meetings, but throughout our culture where people can speak up so we have as much information as possible when we need it to make decisions, to be agile, to turn on a dime.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I want to hear what you would say to this. So she, in her book, she defines psychological safety as – an environment where people feel safe and almost obligated. I love that word. Obligated to speak up candidly about ideas, questions, concerns. It's a combination of trust and respect. What do you think of that?
1: I love it. And, and I think I would add not only trust and respect, I would add vulnerability. And yeah, this good, idea good. that there's less... Uh, vetted or less filtered discussions. And and so people are less measured, they're less careful, and real stuff is being put into play faster, so now we can solve it. And, you know, it's interesting because sometimes I... uh, uh, you can be too unfiltered, and, and I do understand that, but I don't think that's the case. Or, or you can seem too unfiltered if you're working in an organization or an environment where the, the psychological safety doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we need to make it safe for people to uh, communicate what's getting in the way of them performing at a higher level.
0: Well, you know, I'll give you one example. I've had this personal situation where I felt like it was unsafe to speak up because I didn't want to tell the vice president of the organization the bad news. And it was real news, and it was news that he would not want to hear because of his reaction.
1: Well, this connects very strongly. To emotional self awareness and emotional self management, part of the work that we do in emotional intelligence. As leaders, as subject matter experts, as people who are participating in the meetings, we need to be mindful of how we respond. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to bring us bad news, we want people to bring us information that will allow us to make better business decisions. And are we responding appropriately in that moment? Because that's going to signal. To other people, oh, it's not okay to bring the boss bad news. And it's very important for us as individual leaders and as team members to be aware of how our response is impacting everybody else.
0: Well, especially if it's it's bad news against a, a goal or an initiative that the organization is really passionate about right yeah it's hard to say we're not going to meet that goal or we had a screw up in in the engineering of the product or you know whatever you know she used another example of how leaders create a psychologically unsafe environment but the example she used is in a hospital environment but i i see it in organizations as well where So the example she talked to, Amy talks about in her book is the doctor puts in an order for a prescription for a patient. The nurse thinks that the request is unusual. It sounds high. And that's what her gut's telling her. But then she decides that because the doctor prescribed it, the doctor must be right.
1: Wow. Right? Right? Wow. So she
0: doesn't question it. The nurse doesn't question so it, and um, potentially
1: life threatening.
0: Yes, in this
1: instance. Yes, wow.
0: yes, and in the in the book in the fearless organization book, it actually worked out okay. So I just want to let you know that okay. it was okay, but it definitely could be life threatening. And I, but I see that in organizations as well. Depending on where I sit on the org chart, if I'm a a supervisor level. I may not question the senior vice president of my department. If that's what the senior VP says, that's got to be right, right?
1: Well, there's no question. I was sitting in a meeting with senior-level leaders a few weeks ago. And the most senior leader came on so strong and so knowledgeable about a topic that a another senior leader almost disappeared. Yeah, and this was yeah. a guy who who has a lot of good ideas, and he's he's very smart, and he's usually not shy to offer his perspective. But in that instance, uh, I think he felt psychologically unsafe for for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, you know, and sometimes it's it's because the subject matter expert or the senior leader is so knowledgeable that there's no room for anybody else. Right. Uh, and, and instead of holding the space for ideas to come up, they're almost preventing them from coming up just based on how knowledgeable they are on the topic.
0: So in the in this example, the the nurse actually didn't question the doctor just because of his the doctor's credentials, mm. right? But also there was a, another story that the doctor was actually somewhat condescending in past situations mm. where the nurse just wanted to confirm something. And so, you know, in this example, we see how how we respond to other people can really shut people down.
1: We have an opportunity to lead sessions, to lead our own team meetings. So what advice would we give uh, leaders, people who are facilitating team meetings? How do we create this psychologically safe environment so that we get maximum engagement.
0: I liked uh, three examples from the Fearless Organization book, and one of them was by Ray Dalio. He wrote a book called Principles. He was the uh, founder of Bridgewater Associates. Mm-hmm. a I think they're a financial, yes. financial yeah, investment firm, right? And one of his principles around, almost like a ground rule, operating ground rule for the organization, was called extreme candor the extreme candor principle.
1: Oh I love it. I think I could work there.
0: You love it. You love this. Yeah. So the definition of this is that no one so these are this is gonna be strong language. You've got to get ready for this. No one has the right to hold in their opinion. No one has the right. So It's your
1: your responsibility to speak up.
0: You owe it to your colleagues to uh, to express your thoughts and ideas. I love it. I love it. And so, so, you know, imagine that. It isn't an option to not speak up, right? So that's one of the things that, you know, you might tweak that a little bit. But I, I love the idea that you're creating the conditions in the entire organization that, no, you... I know you have a different perspective there's no question about sharing it you owe it to us to share it that's what we're paying you for I love it. right i, I love, love it, it too um eileen fisher so she owns a retail company clothing line and i think some other things too but her advice is be a don't knower
1: well it reminds me of one of the most powerful declarations a leader can make is i don't know because that creates the space for the knowing to emerge. Right. It creates a space for other people to add their voices. Yep. And, and I think you know, we don't really know anything for sure. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we don't have strong ideas, but we're looking for the strong ideas from everybody.
0: She goes as far as to not use square tables in a meeting. Because people will leave the head chair open for her.
1: Perhaps I shouldn't say this, but I mean, most board rooms are not psychologically safe. I mean, right. I, I don't and, know what architects I'm offending out there and probably I'm not that worried about it. But we structure these rooms to be absolutely psychologically unsafe.
0: There's a hierarchy. Yes. So
1: environmentally, you are impacting what doesn't get said just by the way in which you design the boardroom, right?
0: So creating like a round table where there's a little bit more of a level playing field and people unconsciously Feel more comfortable and, and, and in where
1: you up. sit. And where yeah, you where sit. Now, we, we have, we're actually, I'm going to uh, pat ourselves on the back on this. We're pretty good at this, even when we were pitching a, a large job recently, yeah. and we were in the boardroom, and there were eight of them and three of us, but we sat in the middle of the table on both sides. And it created, I believe, uh, a more of a psychologically safe environment right. for all people to speak up. Our team, their team. And I think if you reflect back on that conversation, that was a magnificent meeting, not just because we got the job, but it was a magnificent yeah. meeting because of the exchange, the dialogue.
0: Well, we, we could literally see each other. Yeah. You know, we had eye contact with everybody in the room.
1: Well, and you can remember, I felt so psychologically safe in that meeting that when they asked us if we would give them feedback, you know, when they were getting in the way of the process, and I said, You mean like right now? Yeah. Um, I was very comfortable delivering that.
0: Yeah, and because, they were comfortable receiving yes, it. Yes,
1: because we had done the work. And it was truly a, a psychologically safe environment to have that kind of exchange.
0: So I want to share this other. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but have you ever heard of brain trust meetings that Pixar does?
1: I, I, I have not.
0: Brain trust meetings?
1: I'm kind of surprised.
0: Um, I had neither. So here's what they are. They're meetings for, to provide candid feedback about projects, not people. So they bring in different stakeholders to offer suggestions about a project that Pixar is working on mm. to provide feedback, right? Now, they use the word suggestions. It's not a prescription. So, have you ever noticed, like if if somebody gives you feedback, they almost expect you to take it and use it and apply it? So that's not what this is. it's it's,
1: yeah, they think they are my doctor
0: right. It's not a prescription. It's a, a suggestion. And they feel like with these meetings, they're creating the conditions for people to fail, that it's that failing is part of learning and exploring. And so they have these these specific meetings where, they almost practice being really candid with each other without the attachment to using the feedback or not.
1: Well, think about what you just said. If you're going to have a psychologically safe environment, failing needs to be part of what we do.
0: Right. Um, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: that really, it's more of a growth mindset. It, it's it's built on the work that uh, Carolyn Dweck did around mindset. Are we, do we have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? And a growth mindset is saying that we are as we fail we are learning and we're developing and and i think it's really interesting we've talked about what's a, a culture's orientation to learning and failing mm-hmm. and that often will have a great deal to do with how psychologically safe people feel in speaking up
0: so you know going back to that story i let out the podcast with i um had a conversation with this senior leader about some ideas, you know, after, even after the investment and lots of leadership development, what could be going on. And we had a really interesting conversation about the possibilities that the leaders could be creating a psychologically unsafe environment, not intentionally, but just really considering that. I think that's been helpful. I'd offer a couple takeaways from this podcast. And the first one is to notice silence. When people are not speaking up, Go the extreme candor principle and ask people to join into the conversation. What, what's on your mind? I think it, it's not only what you say, but how you say mm-hmm, it to get mm-hmm. that person to speak up. But don't be satisfied that everybody agrees with your idea if you're the leader, right? Yes. Get people to poke holes in it. Invite people to poke holes in it.
1: Well, I think there's a little bit of mining for conflict. Silence doesn't mean acquiescence, right? I mean, it's not, or agreement, it's not that the people are going along, but really being aware, socially aware, of what's happening or not
0: happening. Don't just focus on the content. I think the second thing, which you have a lot of passion about, and I do too, I, I, I love this, is go into every conversation assuming that other people are smarter. No matter where you are. I think that's hard, right? Because it's, it's actually, feels good to be smart. Actually,
1: smarter. a lot of my uh, former teachers would say that's not hard for me. Um, <laughs> it, but, but I do think it is, um, I mean, we've talked about this before. We've written about it. Uh, somebody, if they don't know more about the topic, they certainly have a different take on the topic. Sure. And, you know, as leaders, I think we have three jobs. And, and one of them is to uh, think The other is to listen, and the third is to hold the space by which complex problems can be solved
0: by teams of people.
1: We can't do that if we're doing all the talking. We can't do that if we assume that we are the smartest people in the room.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to get away from that. You know, a a lot of people are promoted up the ranks because of their intelligence. Because of their ability to get things done, and it's hard—it's a new paradigm as a leader to allow the team to shine. Right? Yes, it, but
1: but and in a psychologically safe environment and culture, we talk about that very. Challenge.
0: Yeah, you yeah.
1: would talk about that. Look at I like to shine. I like to show off my stuff. I like to tell you what I know. So do I. But I recognize that sometimes that gets in the way of other people taking their turn and making it better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Third takeaway I'd offer is I like these brain trust meetings that Pixar does. I like these a lot. I like the idea of doing. You know, the army calls them. Well, when it's post-work, after action review, the brain trust meetings that Pixar is doing is more in process while they're designing and creating a product. But either one. I like the idea of having an official process for these dialogues yeah. to happen, I guess. Yeah. Is, yeah. I think
1: either one, but I think I have a preference for the in process ones. Because Mm -hmm. if we go back to where we started with this uh, podcast, this idea of why we would want to have a psychologically safe environment is for agility, Mm -hmm. is for our, uh, is for performance, is so that we can innovate more quickly, is so we can get to market faster. And I think after action are okay, but I think what would be more ideal is these ones that are like uh, the brain uh, trust that uh, uh, Pixar is doing. I love that idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So our, uh, what we'd offer for our listeners is notice silence and don't allow it. You know, encourage people to, to join in. Go into every conversation and assuming that other people are smarter and that their differing perspective will be helpful. Gosh, we could learn more. And last, steal this idea of brain trust meetings. We love them. We love them. This is just one topic that we include in our Team Forward offering. What do you think?
1: Well, I think uh, one thing I'd ask our listeners to consider is how psychologically safe are the meetings that they lead and participate in? Mm. And to be really thinking about what they could do differently to enhance the level of participation and consequently performance in their organization. I mean, let's, you know, kind of a call to action on this one because I don't think they need to wait to go to Team Forward to create these conditions in their
0: environments. Great, sounds good. So for more information about Team Forward, go to our website, getemergent.com.